You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the November 2013 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be our host today. And today we're going to dig into some current events uh, with a, with our topic and talk about uh, talk about the leadership lessons we can learn from the government shutdown. Dun, 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 dun. The federal government shutdown. Yes. The United States federal government shutdown. That's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get to that, I just wanted to mention one thing we want all of our listeners to be aware of, and that is the trip, Perry, that you're leading to Israel uh, next year, March 27th through April 4th. And we just want to let everybody know that anyone uh, who wants to and is an adult and has the money can go. You don't have to be a member of New Spring Church or anything like that. So if anyone wants information about how to sign up for that trip, wants to go along uh, with the trip you'll be leading, then go to newspring.cc and find all the information there. Is there anything, Perry, you want to tell them about the trip uh, before we move on? I would just say two things. Number one, um, and, and the thing I commonly say about Israel is going there will literally take reading the Bible from black and white to color for you. I mean, it really does open up the Bible in a way that you've never seen. And number two, I talk to so many people about Israel's trip, and they say, oh my gosh, going to Israel, that's something I've always wanted to do. It's on a bucket list. Well, here's the deal. The Bible says your life is a mist and a vapor, so you don't know when you're going to kick the bucket. So why don't you just go now instead of waiting till you're like 70? Amen to that. I mean, just just sign up and go, because I promise you it will blow your mind. We're going to be staying in some great places. We're going to be eating some great food. I didn't even like hummus until I started going to Israel. Now we love it. I feel so much like a worship leader. I'm eating hummus. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm going to be wearing skinny jeans, and it's just going to get out of control. Yeah, we're not going to be able to control you. That's why we should better move on to the topic of the day, and that's the leadership lessons from the federal government shutdown. You know, the last several weeks, Perry, the number one topic in the news has been the shutdown of the United States federal government. There was talk about whether or not it would happen, then it happened, and the talk moved to when and how, and even if it would end. Uh, At the time of this recording, the shutdown has ended, and we thought we'd take a quick look at some of the leadership lessons we all could learn from what we've seen happen uh, in the federal government during this time. And to be clear, uh, this has nothing to do with the particular party affiliation, whether you walk the right or the left side of the aisle or down the middle or fly above everybody else, whatever it is. Uh, The things we'll be talking about really has nothing to do with that, but there are some things we could learn from how they handled this issue. And so, Perry, as we jump into this topic, I thought it might be good uh, for you to kind of give our listeners who may not be as in tune with everything that's been going on uh, in that issue, uh, just kind of a general overview of what's been happening with the federal government over the last few weeks. Um, well, it, it's so funny, Shane, how I've watched the news, and there are some people out there that listen to news networks of their choice based on their political bias, and people say that's not true, but it is. But I've tried to tried to look at all different news networks, and the issue, they say, was the government shutdown. But if you really want to get under the surface of what people said, it wasn't a government shutdown issue. It was a leadership issue where leaders of the United States, like you said, on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, both had some major, major, major leadership failures. And in fact, if you're a type A person and you just want to say, well, just what is the bottom line of this leadership podcast? And we're going to talk about these in more detail, but the three major leadership failures 
that happen with our government. And the reason it's important to recognize these is because I see these leadership failures in church, in organizations, in ministries, in, in um, parachurch ministries. The three failures that they had is they talked, uh, they talked about each other rather than to each other. We'll get more into that in just a second. Um, they were obsessed with finding a temporary solution to what is a growing problem. And the third one is they, I believe they love their position more than the people that they're supposed to serve. And those are three common leadership mistakes that, that we got to watch happen. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty big deal. We're the leaders of the United States of America um, and once again, let me say this one more time because I don't want any emails off of this one. It's not a presidential issue. This is a all of the leaders of the United States issue. Congress, you know, House, Senate, um, they, they, they made some major mistakes. And we're going to talk about the three major ones I just listed. Yeah, I love the way you put that, Perry. The issue really is a leadership issue. And even if we hadn't have said this was stemming from what's going on in the news or in our government, if you'd have just said three things we're going to talk about today, uh, basically gossip and finding temporary solutions and considering your position over people, everybody would lean in because they can relate to that in their organization because it happens everywhere. Absolutely. So uh, jumping into that, uh, let's take a look at this. So what did you see uh, each side in the federal government shutdown uh, doing and how they communicated with each other um, that all leaders should take note of. Well, here's here's what's funny um, and, and sad. Um, I, I study leadership on a consistent basis. When I say leadership, not just church leadership, I mean business leadership, political leadership. And one of the things I would notice about um, our government leaders is that they would go to a meeting and talk um, supposedly to one another. They would come out of that meeting where they supposedly talk to one another, Republicans, Democrats, both of them would kind of go to their corners, gather their media um, people around them, and then spend way more time talking about each other than they actually spent talking to each other. And the thing I've learned about leadership is if you have a problem with someone else and you don't talk to that person, but you talk about them, there's going to be problems. Um, the reason they were talking about each other is each side felt like they had to build a compelling case against each other. And one more time, that meant that they weren't trying to find solutions. They were spending way more time building a case against each other, calling each other names, telling the American people what's so bad about the other person's position, and talking once again to the media who could not solve the problem. All the media could do is be a megaphone to get their voice out to the people, and instead of speaking to the media in public, they should have been behind closed doors trying to figure out solutions to the problem. That's real good. Um, well, every organization deals with what you're talking about. Uh, in one word, it's called gossip, right? Talking about someone instead of to someone. And how should a leader handle this if they realize they're in a situation where they've got trouble and they've got to come to some sort of agreement with people who have a different opinion? Well, gossip is cancer in any organization. And I don't think any listener um, on this podcast right now would say, um, you know, just let cancer stay in the body and pray about it and see what happens. I mean, if you've got cancer in the body, 
you got to cut it out of the body. There's only way, two ways to handle gossip. You either uh, hit it in the face. You got to punch it straight in the face. Not don't punch the person, but punch the. Or you've got to you got to be willing to fire somebody over the subject of gossip because gossip is a cancer that absolutely can destroy an organization or a church. And because of gossip, it allows um, a problem to go unresolved. And l- let me set up what gossip is because some people are curious what gossip is. Let's say that you um, had a problem with a decision that I made or a statement that I made. Um, that, hypothetically, of course, because you've never Of course, never that would never that. happen. No, absolutely not. Um, but let's say you had that. Gossip, just so the listeners will understand, gossip is when you go and talk um, to two or three other people about that and say, hey, you know, Perry said this, and I think this, and I think this, and what you're doing is you're talking to them, and you're kind of building a case against me. Um, and the reason people do that is because they're insecure and they don't feel like they can actually go to talk to the person. they got to go build a case against them. Um, now, let me back off and say I've always told our staff, you're always allowed to go talk to one person to kind of check your heart, check your motives, check yourself. But if you go talk to more than one person about it, you're not checking yourself, you're building a case. Well, the problem is because you're talking to someone, or you, I'm sorry, because you're talking about someone, you're not talking to them. So the problem that you had with that person didn't go away. It actually got bigger. And it, it number one, it, it causes your time to be unproductive because you're wasting time talking to somebody about a problem that they can't solve. Like, for example, I've told, um, hypothetically in a church, if the computers aren't working and you have somebody, either a volunteer or a paid staff member that does IT, and IT hasn't got around to your computer, um, well, the youth pastor going down to the children's pastor's office and talking about how the IT people are slack and behind um, that's gossip because it didn't solve the problem. It actually made the problem bigger. So th- that's that's one of the major, major, major problems with gossip is the problem doesn't get solved, and lines are divided. People on both sides of the organization take sides, and they spend way more time building a case rather than advancing a movement. Yeah, that's real good. The other thing you mentioned in there, Perry, is once you go and talk about someone to someone who can't do anything about it, then all of a sudden they may not have had a problem with the person you're talking about, and then all of a sudden they may be mad at the problem because they've only heard your side of the story. Right. So talk about um, what's a, a right way to handle a situation like that. Well, the, the thing I've learned, um, and, this, and it's not fun because confrontation is not fun, is when someone is gossiping, it has to be handled um, face-to-face. Hey, listen, you were gossiping. And, and and what you find um, most people doing is they will not admit that they're gossiping. They'll say, well, I was processing. Um, well, I was kind of evaluating. No, you talked to four people who could not solve the problem. You were gossiping. Um, if and, and once again, once again, I say this to leaders all the time, you need to have a policy where people that work um, with you and for you can come directly to you and talk to you about a problem. When you talk to me about a problem that you have, that's not gossiping. I'm a leader. I can solve it. Um, I should solve it if I can. Um, that's not gossiping. Gossiping, once again, is talking to people that cannot solve the problem. 
And it, the, the reason it's so dangerous in an organization is it gets everybody off focus. Right. It gets everybody off mission. And so um, going back to the government, going back to the government, that's what they did. They went to their sides. They built cases against each other. And what comes out of that? Hatred and conflict. If people in a church or an organization or even in our government would stop talking to people that cannot solve the problem, get behind closed doors, and actually talk about the problem and talk to each other, um, the problem could be solved. The other thing, Shane, that gossip has caused from a lot of time is bitterness and anger and jealousy and hatred toward another person. And the thing I've discovered is it's incredibly difficult to be bitter and angry and jealous um, toward another person if you really get to know them and really get to love them as a person. And that's what um, gossip always prevents that. And the other thing, at least from my vantage point, that happens as a result of this, because they uh, delayed, they talked about instead of not to, what happens is everybody in the end, the government, the federal government's uh, standing with the people of America, everybody's uh view of them went down. Absolutely. And so in an organization or a church or any organization, if this is going on, no people may be taking sides, but in the end, whoever's in charge, everybody's confidence in those who are leading goes down. Absolutely. Nobody wins. When a leader allows gossip to continue, you're exactly right. Confidence in that leadership will go down. And none of us need that. Uh, next question. Uh, let's shift focus. Um, to the next problem, uh, it seems to me uh, that the problem that caused the sh- shutdown really wasn't fixed, and you can school me up on that if I'm wrong, but it seems like they simply decided just to borrow more money. You might say they put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Uh, how are all leaders tempted to do the same thing no matter what the problem is? Leadership sometimes leadership is doing what is right before doing what is easy. Um, and that is, that is huge because anybody can do the easy thing. It takes a leader to do the right thing. And so going back to the government shutdown, the government shutdown was they actually tied it into the raising of the debt limit and all these other things. Um, and long story short, once again, on either side of the political process, you've got to admit they did not solve the problem. The debt in America has grown to over $17 trillion. Um, that's a lot of money. I mean, that, that's a lot of money. But nobody's addressing, hey, let's address this problem. Let's address why the debt is increasing. Let's address what's really going on. Nobody, in fact, Shane, I'm not, I'm not totally sure of this, but I, if I'm not mistaken, I think we've raised the debt ceiling three or four times in the past couple of years. Um, because they keep coming back and and issuing a temporary solution. Well, let's just raise the debt ceiling and we'll figure out how to do this. Well, let's just raise the debt ceiling. And once again, they tied the government shutdown and the debt ceiling um, together. But it brought me back to, I started thinking, in the church. Church leaders are tempted to do that. Hey, let's just find a temporary solution um, and and then we'll just deal with it later. For example, for example... Um, let's say that a worship leader has somebody in the band that doesn't need to be in the band. Hypothetically, that could be happening at every church in America. So, um, but I mean, that happens. That happens. And so, the the temporary solution, the solution 
that um I and I've actually heard people say this. Yes, they can't sing, but what we do is we just pull their mic down in the soundboard so people can't hear them. Okay, well that is poor leadership because um f- first of all you're being fake. But second of all, pulling their mic down is a temporary solution cuz sooner or later their cousin or their aunt or their uncle's going to show up and be like, "I didn't hear you in the mix today. I couldn't hear you." And and once then then you've got, "Oh, well, I don't know what was wrong with the sound." And you can lie about it for a while, but it's a temporary um so, solution to what I would call a, a a permanent problem. And I would imagine in that situation that everybody else in the band, other vocalists, musicians, they know how bad the person is, and they see you as the leader not taking the right step to make the band better, just putting up with either poor performance or mediocrity. And so doesn't that make a statement to everybody else in the band? It doesn't really matter how much we practice, how good we get, because they're not going to kick us out of the band anyway. I I call it, um, I've heard this term, it's not original with me, but I call it sanctioned incompetence. When a leader stands for and promotes sanctioned incompetence, everybody that that leader is over eventually loses trust in them. For example, for example, and this is every podcast listener, if the government came on television this evening and said, we have been working hard and we have a plan that's going to fix the debt ceiling, every, or we have a, prob- we have a plan that's going to fix health care, we have a plan that's going to fix immigration reform. Every person listening right now would be skeptical. Nobody here would lose their mind. Do you know why? Because they have a track record of sanctioning incompetence where they're not dealing with the real issues. And when you don't deal with the real issues, pretty soon everybody loses trust in you. It, it would be like having a staff member and the staff member's not um, they're just not doing a good job. They're just not doing a good job. But you say, well, they've, they've been around for a long time, so we need, to, we need to hang on to them. We need to hang on to them. Well, I would say if they've been around for a long time, they need to do, be doing a better job than anybody else because hopefully they got the vision better than anybody on your team. But there are so many church leaders today, and listen, it's not easy, but there's so many church leaders that if they would simply go and solve or, or address and deal with the two biggest two or three problems in their church, their church would double in size in a year if they just dealt with the problems that were right in front of them instead of creating temporary solutions. I know you mentioned, I love that the leadership is, is doing what is right before what is easy. Um, what are some ways that you've learned to employ this? I mean, did, did, did you ever struggle with putting decisions off or trying to drift toward easy decisions? Maybe was there a trigger that's like, you know what, we can't do this anymore. we got to do what's right, even if it's not easy. Or is this just something that was ingrained in you uh, when you started New Spring Church? Well, the, the, the reason a lot of people don't make the hard decision is because it's the hard decision. Um, Shane, let's just uh, let's be real um, transparent and talk about one that we recently had to deal with as a church. Um, in many of our campuses, and this is a great problem to have, we're out of room. Um, we're, we're out of room at, at a lot of our load-in, load-out campuses. We're out of room at our broadcast campus. And we were in a meeting having um, intense conversations like, what do we do? 
Do we start more portable campuses? Um, there was a lot of you know decisions being talked about. There's a lot of money being talked about. And uh, we came back the next week, and Michael Mulliken, who helps us think of strategy, he's got an engineering background, showed us where if we just added an 830 service, um, we would be able to do some really, really cool stuff. And, you know, eight, yeah, 830 a.m. Yes, Every very morning. important, a.m. Well, I didn't like that for a couple reasons. Number one, I have told this staff we're never doing an 830 service again. And I'm like, oh, God, I've told the staff we're not doing it. Number two, um, there's not many preachers in America that love an 830 service. And if you do, um, everybody in your church is over 75 um, because they're eating lunch at 830. So they, they went ahead and came to church. Um, so I, I was like, I don't like that. Number two, it forced me to preach shorter messages. And so I'm like, I've got to preach shorter messages. I've got to streamline my content. I've got to prepare more. I've got to get more focused as I speak. And so it was a hard decision. The easy thing to do would have been like, hey, guys, well, let's just continue to pray about this and see what God does. Now, let me back up a little bit and say leaders do that a lot. Um, when leaders don't want to make a decision, the, the card that they can play is I'm praying about it. Now, in many cases, it could be true, but I would say in most cases, le- leaders are praying about stuff that God has already clearly spoken about. And so I, I remember having to make the decision, man, we're going to have to do 830. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy telling the staff, hey, you know, we're going to have to show up earlier and stay up later, you know, but... At the end of the day, we cast vision and said, "Hey, it's the part of being a it's it's a part of being a growing church." You know, thank you Jesus that we get to have these problems. And so it was not easy to do, but it was right to do. That's good. So we've looked at the first two things uh, that you mentioned that we can learn from this: talking to and not about, and then the second thing, temporary solutions. We just talked about that. The third area. Uh, that you mentioned is value and position over people. So we know politicians are uh, elected. Um, so do you think some of these temporary solutions are connected to them just simply uh, looking out for their uh, political lives? Absolutely. Shane, it's not difficult for someone to go to Washington, D.C. and say, I've identified the problems. Um, here's problem one, here's problem two, here's problem three. Let's just say there's five. There's more than five. But let, here's problem one, two, three, four, five. The problem with that is in Washington, D.C., if you point out problems, you don't get reelected. Um, and so their goal, many times politicians, their goal when they get there is preservation, not progress. And when you value preservation over progress, you've got a major problem because – you start to value your position more than the people that you're serving. That is dangerous. And bringing that down to church leaders, there are a lot of church leaders that they value preservation more than progress. For example, for example, I've talked to pastors, and they'll present me with a problem in their church, and I'll um, try to counsel them through it, and I'll say, listen, here's the deal. You've got to go back, and you've got to do you know, X, Y, and Z. And they go, I know that's what I need to do, but if I do it, um, our biggest giver in the church is going to walk. Oh, okay. Okay, that's attention. Okay, that's an issue. Your biggest giver. Hey, I've had that. But 
that shows me that that leader is more concerned with preservation and progress. And they, they're more concerned with, you know, I've heard this, well, I've got to feed my family. Well, I get that. I've got a family to feed too. Um, but the last time I checked, God was our supplier, not a board of deacons. And so you've, you've got to figure, figure that out, and it's difficult. So going back to these guys, I think, I think this was my thing. I think if government leaders would have been fined $10,000 a day, every day our government was shut down, that shutdown would have, um, it wouldn't have taken as long to fix. They would have found a, think about it. And let me just back up even more. I believe that they should have been fined $10,000 a day because they're the leaders. It happened on their watch. Leaders um, need to, I mean, they should feel it, but, but they didn't feel it because I think that most of them have lost a connection with the people that they were elected to serve. Um, they, they, they care more about how they appear in the media than actually standing up and doing what's right because maybe what do, doing what's right is not the most politically correct thing, but it's the right thing. How can that same thing happen to church leaders? Either they become disconnected with the people they're serving or um, just simply are looking at, focusing on, feed the family, I got kids going to college, you know, whatever the things that could shift our focus from uh, making those kind of hard decisions or taking care of the people. Um, How does that happen, and and what kind of counsel would you give to those church leaders out there that are are tempted to go that direction? Well, um one of the things that we've said here for a long time is as a leader, you got to care more about who people are becoming than, than what they're doing. Um, and you've got to value, you've got to value people. You've got to place. And that's the thing I'm learning lately, Shane, is the closer I get to Jesus, the more value I place on people. Um, you, you can't get close to Jesus and not, you know, having a, people's people's value increases the closer you get to Jesus. Um, now that's hard for me because I'm you know uh, on the disc test I'm a I'm a D or I'm a lion or whatever the person I mean I'm a I'm a hard charger I want to get it done I mean I hardly ever am woken up by an alarm I sleep five or six hours a night I mean I'm I'm and so I love to charge through things but I've learned I I cannot charge through things and run over people. I've got to value people. Well, sometimes in leadership, we get really disconnected from people, um, and we forget how they think, and we forget how they talk, and we forget how they um, operate. And so we've got to take intentional steps to value people over the process. And um, one of the things I do is I'm connected with a group of high school students. This is my fifth year in a row. I disciple a group of high school students. When I say I disciple them, there's about um, between 10 and 12 people uh, in 11th or 12th grade. Um, all of them have, we meet once a month. They all have my phone number. They can call me. They can text me. I'm in touch with them. And that's just one of the ways that I've said, you know what, I'm going to stay connected to certain groups of people to make sure that I don't drift so far away as a leader. I, I'm doing that with a group of staff members. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the staff members under 30, I'm, I'm staying connected with them. And I did that so I can hear what they're um, thinking, so I can hear their heart, so I can know what they're thinking, so I can know what problems that they're dealing with, and it really does help me stay connected um, with the people that I lead. You know, another thing I did, and a pastor can do this, or a leader of any organization, any size, is we have a lot of, of staff right now. We have three, 
throughout 310? 310, yeah, let's go 310. We have 310 staff members. Um, that's a lot of people, I know. Um, but I've got a picture of every one of those staff members in, um, in a room in my office. I've got, a, I've got a room where I've got a picture of every staff member with their family, with their family, um, because I want to be able to see them, pray for them. And it's a way that I stay connected. I'm like, you know what? Every decision that I make um, impacts that guy right there and his wife and his two little girls. Mm-hmm. So I need to think about that and pray through that, and that's another way I stay connected to the people I lead. That's real good. I mean, the bottom line, Perry, in all of these three areas you mentioned, uh, leadership struggles or leadership challenges, really comes down to simply being okay with making hard decisions. The hard decision to talk to someone and not about them, the hard decision to make a, a long-term solution instead of a temporary one, and the, the hard decision really to stay connected to people. So uh, with those three things, I'd love uh, for you to share any final thoughts you have uh, with any of our listeners. You know, if you look at those three things, Shane, I mean, ultimately, every one of those decisions is based on somebody trying to make sure they look good. Um, they've got an image to uphold. they got an image. That's why I'll gossip about you because I'm concerned about my image, so let me build this case. The reason I'll... Um, come up with a temporary solution is because I want to look good right now and then we can deal with it later. The reason that, um, you know, I, I won't, I mean, I love my position. And so it's all about how good I look and the danger in that, the danger in that is if you trace all of that back, um, it is all rooted in one sin that the Bible calls pride. Um, and the Bible specifically says that God opposes the proud. Now, if I'm lining up on offense and God's on defense, that there's, here, here's the thing you can bet on. You're not scoring. That's right. If you're on offense and God's on defense, you're not going to score. And so really kind of going back to those three core issues and saying, you know what, if, if pride is the motivating factor in my leadership, um, I'm setting myself up for failure. I'm setting my people up for failure. So making, making the decision to talk to people rather than about them, making the, solution, making the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to do what's right rather than what is easy, and making the decision, you know what, I'm going to love the people that I serve. I'm going to love the people that I serve more than my position that I hold. Um, because here's the thing I've discovered about that. if you'll, Because so many of those government leaders are worried about losing their position, but if you'll love and serve people, you, you will always have the position of leadership. That's really good. That's, that's a great way to, to wrap things up. This is the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next month.